0: I do, I think design is important though. Oh you totally! Had, you yeah. have to have like a good camera cage in order for your camera to function properly.
1: I mean, yeah, fu- yeah, functionally it's important, but also like I just kind of like things to look like slick and cool, you know, and that's knobs and like something yeah. that looks looks impressive on your camera, you know, like a, like a matte make, box. Yeah, you can't make a movie until you have a matte box. Yeah, exactly. Everyone, <laughs> oh wow, that's a nice camera. It's, Neat. it's
0: is that a square lens? That looks like a Hollywood camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a matte box. It's <laughs> a matte box. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, welcome to the Take Forty Three podcast. My name's Drew Williams, and I am Aaron Colborn. We have an awesome guest on today. Super stoked! Really good friend of ours. Actually, yeah. we've been working with him last week. He helped with Jump Seat. Uh, he did the Rhino short film Grounded. He is a cage designer and just all around guru of 3D printing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he designs things for Rhino. He designs camera cages for Condor Blue. This is a whole different side of production that we haven't had any of those guests yeah. on yet. So I'm really excited to really hone in on filmmaking and of course the design process that goes with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into this cage match with Brandon. All right, let's give Brandon a call.
0: Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Obviously, you've had a lot to do with this podcast, considering you're the one pushing out the uh, mailers for it on <laughs> Via Rhino. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, Brandon, we're, we uh, we introduced you in the intro. We really just want to get into talking about camera gear, your design, and obviously some filmmaking as well. So before we get into that, I want to do a lightning round with you, Brandon. And here we go. You ready? Ready. One, one answer, left or right-handed?
1: Right. Favorite breakfast cereal when you were a kid? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Mm, nice
0: one. <laughs> NAB or CES? NAB. Star
1: Trek or Star Wars? Oh, come on, guys. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know the answer to it.
0: <laughs> Very good. Uh, Sony or Canon? I know the answer to this. Uh, Canon, yeah. Yeah, Sony, good. Uh, filmmaking or designing?
2: Oh, gosh. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna, I'll go designing. Mm.
1: Very good. So, Brandon, I want to talk to you real quick about um, your origin story, kind of how you got doing what you're doing. What got you into being interested in in filmmaking and in design?
2: Yeah, for sure. So uh, it, it really all started when I was a kid. Uh, I've been very visual since a young age. I, I can uh, probably this is like very going to sound pretentious and I don't mean <laughs> it to be that. But when Tony Stark is designing things in Iron Man 1, that's like the first time where I'm like, oh gosh, like this is visualizing how my mind thinks, like
0: hmm, that's cool.
2: building his Iron Man suit. And so I've always tried to find different mediums and tools to be able to best execute what's in my mind. And that's what drew me to filmmaking so much was because uh, just with how organic the medium is, it's it's I don't want to say easy to create things that aren't in your mind but like it you can combine a lot of these pieces and the pieces that you're maybe either not so good at or don't have like fully there like maybe some maybe it's some of your set design for instance you can kind of fake it and that's what uh, has always drawn me into filmmaking on top of being able to tell a story with matching those visuals. So
1: well, there, there seems to be a, a connect with, with designing and filmmaking where you're taking something that's in your brain and turning it into a real thing, right? like an actual, like, you know, you have an idea of a story in your mind and then it becomes real as well as same with, same with gear, something you're designing where it's it's in your mind and then suddenly it's real. That's so, tangible, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, design has always served my filmmaking because number one as I was young it was all always a budgetary concern like oh I want to do this jib shot or I want to do this you know particular shot that I know I can't do unless I have that gear and so I'd always find ways to DIY these various apparatuses to to get a shot even if it was just for that one shot I had in mind I'd go to like these extreme lengths uh, as a teenager to capture them and uh, I quickly learned a lot of things like oh that didn't turn out like I had in mind because I didn't have like this shot requires parallaxing to really even tell that you're on a jib or on a slider and right. so uh, I learned a lot of those lessons early on and I've just continued to sort of up the ante with uh, bigger and better cameras and I realized that even as you go up that scale you still have the same problems that you have with, you know, your home consumer handicapped cameras that mm-hmm. were everywhere in the 90s. So, um, yeah, it's just been a, a lifelong pursuit to sort of perfect that experience of using a camera and creating
0: imagery. You know, you mentioned design as being part of the filmmaking process and, you know, simply by trial and error, not having enough money to to buy something, you made it. Was there anyone specific that inspired you along the ways of both filmmaking and design?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, Some specific people, you know, I, I started off sort of in the action sports area where, you know, just watching a bunch of, like, the old skateboarding and ski and snowboard videos, like, I always loved when it wasn't just about the sport itself as amazing as that was, but when they were like technically pushing the limits, like, like, especially back then, it's like, man, they hauled all these lights all the way up that mountain to do this. And so that was like a really uh, inspiring thing to me. And then just when they, I I could tell like, Oh, you know, they're actually laying down track for that handrail to be able to do this like epic dolly shot that, It it becomes like this orchestra where everything has to be perfectly timed, not only the uh, athlete and their ability, but then uh, like camera crew all the way through. And so I just loved how all that coincided. And so that was really inspiring to me as I, uh, in my my later, like more recently, probably about the past decade, uh, some of my inspiration has really been uh, Charles and Ray Eames, they actually... Uh, they started off their careers as a husband and wife couple in furniture design, which I also really love. I I love every space I'm around to feel designed and intentional and sort of their mantra was uh, making great design more affordable. And um, they did so many cool things with that. So they, uh, they built these, I mean, and they're super iconic designs nowadays. So, like, if you look at the Eames Lounge, for instance, the, the curved plywood chair with the plush leather seats that you see in like any movie that's trying to do any level of period piece, uh, it will be in there. One of the things that they did, they were so flexible in their studio to where they're like, oh, you know this film medium it's growing as well and we want to become filmmakers and so they'd swap over their furniture design studio to be this film space and the same thing goes for them they do a lot with miniatures and and other things like they basically coined some of these very quintessential film shots that we see today uh repeated time and time again in hollywood films and no one really even knows that like the first people to do this was uh, a couple that designed furniture so uh definitely been an inspiration to me as well. Huh, that's interesting. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious, um, when did you transition from wanting to do this stuff to actually doing it? I and mean, you mentioned being in action sports, but like when did, when did you start actually doing
2: this stuff? Yeah. So in high school, um, I've always been a very proactive personality. And so I remember it's my junior year. I went into the counselor halfway through the year and was like okay I just want to make sure I'm on track to graduate and everything's lined up and they were kind of like what the heck are you doing here because I I didn't know this but at the time they have this meeting like halfway to your senior year where you do that and I feel like that's way too late um seems like you you'd be in more trouble at that point so I realized wow like I mean I'm you know getting A's in all these classes so uh, there's this buffer though that they have where you could like literally fail classes and still have enough credits to graduate. And the way I read that was I don't need that like extra bandwidth. So I don't want to be in school. And so I arranged like, uh, but my principal, she didn't like that idea of uh, me not being in school full time as any uh, teacher and educator should feel. Um, but like it, I I don't like things that are like wasting my time. Not that my time is like any more important than anyone else, but Uh like you know, time's limited, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Especially these days. Yeah. The the attention span of anyone watching a video or making them or designing something to make a video super
2: super low tolerance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I arranged with the school counselors and with uh, multimedia a way to get this um, independent study course where I actually got school credit to film my senior year ski and snowboard season. Hmm. So we I would go to school every other day, and then the days I head off, i just either go skiing, film skiing, uh, plan for what our shoots were, do the, some of those DIY builds that I was talking about, and then we actually produced a, a little... 20 minute film with me and my friends full of uh, illegally used music <laughs> we showed up one time to a handrail coincidentally out of school yep. and within 10 minutes uh, we had put caution tape up road cones we had vests, hard hats we grinded the rail off like all the knobs and repainted the rail
0: oh.
2: in uh, 10 minutes and rolled out and showed up the next week as soon as there's snow and hit it that's awesome uh-huh.
0: for anyone outside of the snowboard and ski industry uh, hitting handrails, uh, that's a pretty common thing, especially in the film industry. If, if you're on that side of things rather than competition and a lot of times, especially in the Salt Lake area, all the rails and handrails are knobbed because of that reason. So what Brandon is saying is he acted like the construction crew that was fixing it in air quotes. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Back to a school on, <laughs> uh, you know, and then they'll they'll ticket you for trespassing and sometimes vandalism. Oh, or if you run yep. fast enough, they won't catch you. <laughs> that was how I operated in high school when I was a skater. Yeah, I just run.
1: <laughs> okay, so l- last thing about your origin, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of seeing yourself as Tony Stark. So Tony Stark had his cave. What was your cave?
2: Oh man, uh, I so my parents. Uh, I was lucky enough that they were supportive of these different dreams and visions that i had now they didn't know what to do with them per se but they didn't like ever put the brakes on Mm. Uh, so that gave me some leeway to do some things so i I grew up in some unique places throughout utah where we had a little bit more space and so um, when i was an early teenager i had we had this house that had this amazing wraparound porch and underneath that porch, I basically turned it into a skate and ski park. And so that was one area where I just like could design and build at will. And still like, it was, it was actually a good like initial job of knowing what it's like to work with various producers and or clients because my parents at that time were essentially my client and I had to do things that worked for me, but also worked for them. So like I built these handrails that uh, slipped in and out of the ground in these concrete forms uh, so that I could, you know, still the, room. the landscape that it should be, yeah. uh, but, but then do the thing I wanted to do. And then as I moved on, uh, I guess a little bit later, I had this architecture desk that my parents, when they built this custom home, um, they built my room around this desk where it had its like, own little cove. And so that was my little hideout where I'd go and, Know do model making too, you know sketching and uh, and other things and so uh, that was that was my cave.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like as a creator, even when you're a little kid, you need your zone.
2: You need your space, and you yeah. don't even
0: realize it's something that big until you get a little older and you look back and you're like, oh, that's kind of where a lot of my creativity, you know, spun from. Mm-hmm. I got influenced by certain people and influenced by certain things, but I was able to go to like this hub in this cave, Tony Stark style. Yeah. And really just dive into what I wanted to do. And then you learn from your mistakes and you go from there. Uh, it's so fun listening to you talk about like replacing the rails. Cause I've had like a full backyard snowboard park. Uh, I've had a mini ramp in the backyard and You know, we've had a lot of people on this show that all start in that skating era. I know Cody Warner did, Dylan did, Andy did, and it's such a common thread. I don't think we realize that at certain ages, we're kind of breaking out of that realm of basketball and baseball and all of these sports that a lot of people play, which there's nothing wrong with that, but we all kind of find our own niche and then we build off of that. So whether that's design because you're the ones building the rails and you're the one filming them and your other friend is the better skier, snowboarder, or vice versa, you're really at that point in time you don't realize it but you're honing in your craft and that's it's pretty amazing <laughs> Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Mm, you tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus they're never bright enough. Mm-hmm, never. But one day a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, oh. which promised to solve exactly that problem. They're compact yet powerful and with professional grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bi-color, RGB, Bluetooth controlled, rugged, waterproof, you name it, Lytra it That's a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds great. So you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15% off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting. All right, man, I'm going to hold you to it. You've got your cave. You were able to start designing things. You were doing some filmmaking because you were making those 20 minute films. So I do want to move into this building camera cages and this design part because we've spoken a little bit about the filmmaking process but you know you're working with Rhino right now which is the main sponsor of the podcast you're also working with Condor Blue and i know there are certain things you're working on with Rhino that we've discussed that we can't talk about on the podcast but what are some things that you can tell the listener about getting in with the right company and I know you act sort of as like the marketing person. You're in the videos now. I'm working on videos with you. But you're also designing some amazing upcoming products that I don't know how much you can say about. But you've got this whole corner. And, and more more than a corner. You've, you've got this marketing side and you've got this design side. How do you take that half and move along with it?
2: Yeah, great question. I've always worked hard. Like my dad really is still not only like working hard, but like good work and being uh, having things that you can be proud of, and so, uh, and a huge part of that too that he also taught me is just the relationship side of it. Yeah, and so I've always really valued those work relationships. I tend to, uh, my wife would call me workaholic. I would define it a bit differently, but she's probably right. Um, <laughs> I I just want to be proud of the work that I do, and that naturally takes time. Right. Um, so part of that, like. lot of my friends are just within work within industry and so I want to treat those relationships as such not just as a client and so I've been able to develop these really uh, deep relationships really quickly Uh, at least I I hope that those friends and clients would feel the same way Uh, Kyle Hart the owner and CEO of Rhino Camera Gear Uh, years ago I, after purchasing one of their Kickstarter models, it's post Kickstarter, but it was one of their early sliders. Uh, basically, we'll call it like version 1.5. Uh, so I bought that and have been using it, and for the most part, it was the best slider I've used to date. It was really smooth. Uh, had some great features like interchangeable rails and different things. So I was like, okay, these guys like not only understand like how this is used in film, but like the overall user experience while doing it. Uh, But I still felt it could be improved a little bit. So my schooling background is in industrial design. And I debated between that and the film program, but I quickly came to realize I'd actually be able to film more in my program uh, than the film students. Yeah, they ended up (laughs) trying to pay essays, which is great. I I write every day, too. So uh, writing definitely has its place. But I wanted to be behind the camera. I wanted to make mistakes when I sort of had that safety net of school. Mm -hmm. And I always created these videos that helped promote the products I was designing for my program. And so one of the things – and again, because time is short, I try and make the most of every moment. So I knew that I'd have to do an internship and i had these other projects uh, to do so i was like hey, you know what? i know i want to redesign this slider and i'm just going to pitch it to this company um as a way to get an internship and so within like a couple of phone calls and actually through the support channel never never look past how important the support channel can be through these different companies so uh that's how i got in uh, with kyle and i was like hey man i'd love to do an internship with you uh and after some brief discussion, he was like, Yeah, man, this would be awesome. So mm-hmm. I did that for a couple uh, summers and it just stayed, it was, you know, years ago at this point. And uh, so now I'm doing both marketing and design work for them. Uh, I also i really believe in diversification. Like, and I creatively i feel like it's so important to have different parts of your mind going because it's really mm-hmm. easy to get in ruts otherwise. And so I, I had recently picked up the red Komodo uh, for a project that I was going to be doing uh, with Rhino and it was like impossible to get anything for that camera early on. Like even down to batteries, like batteries, there's no way to really power it. So I had to 3d print some plates to hold a V mount and, and power it that way. So that's how we did it for the grounded shoot uh, last year. And I was the DP
0: on that. And I will say, Hey, where did you get this uh, V-mount plate from? Because nothing's being made yet, or everything's pre-order. Oh, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's this is how this was my introduction to Brandon because this is how I started finding out that he was actually designing these things. And then like last month we were shooting some videos for Rhino and I walked into your office and I was like, Oh, what's been 3d printing for five days. It smells like (laughs) plastic in here. And you're like, Oh, just a new piece for X, Y, Z. So that's why I wanted to have you on is because you're solving your own problems before the solution is manufactured at a mass point, right? You're literally making things in your office for your own camera gear. It's amazing.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and so as I was doing that, like Cages are pretty fundamental these days, and I'm super happy that the market shifted to more specific cages. You know, we started off with these universal cages, which were, practically, um, you know, I'd say five, six years ago, to now getting very niche with each of the cages. And I had already purchased one from one company, uh, received one as a promo item from another company uh, that I done some some design work for over the years and then i saw this one pop up with an ad uh on instagram and it's from condor blue and instantly as soon as i saw it i went and ordered it i was like i already have two other cages i even i even made a, a comment on the post it's like i've got two other cages but like i can tell right off you guys get it as a brand like you understand filmmakers from how things are placed to uh you know what's included and, and frankly what's not included and so that led to a conversation um to where again i started talking to the ceo of that company um and his name's lucas an amazing guy and uh to both lucas and kyle's credit these are people that you know they're entrepreneurs to their core and they're willing to take chances and both have been willing to take a chance on me and i appreciate that uh more than uh, they'll probably ever know uh but with that, uh, there was an opportunity as well because I also, uh, apparently, I, I am obsessed with buying cameras and spending money in this space. Uh, I can so, back that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also happened to buy a C70 because as soon as the, that came out, I, I was like, this has everything I want, like, for sort of this niche within filmmaking i was doing a lot of like talking head stuff or i needed good tracking i needed built-in indies and all these things that quite frankly the komodo didn't doesn't really have and also shouldn't have um because they're just for different different purposes i use them both probably about equally um and i love them both and super purchases but especially the c70 early on uh because it's so all-in-one it it's like this brick with buttons and it becomes very hard to like add any peripherals like a you know uh, even a 15 millimeter rod to add a a focus motor or a top handle which i mean they it comes with the top handle but it's like the c70
0: is the baby of a c200 and like any dslr canon prior to that mirrorless camera so it's it's, it's the really chunky baby. It yeah, is. But, <laughs> it's a little bit bigger and also doesn't shoot photos. <laughs> it should. It looks like it should shoot photos, but it doesn't. But it's still yeah. a great camera. It looks amazing.
2: Yeah, so I've loved that. And so I was talking to Lucas at Condor Blue. I said, hey, I've got the C70 and there's no cages for it. Um, what, are, what are your plans around that? Um, I happen to design as well as film. And if you don't have anything currently in motion, I'd love to to make that cage and it was right around christmas time uh 2020 and he's like yeah let's uh let's chat early on in the new year um and and i remember he said this i was like wow this is like a huge vote of confidence but he said uh you'll design the cage and whatever you make we will make so Hmm, that's cool perfect like that sounds great it's kind of like like a
0: intern style like design this kind of a test like did you as like initiation process or was it you know you were in
2: yeah it was definitely like hey let's see how we work together see what you come up with um but it was really exciting to me because i i love just being involved in that and uh it was great because i had the hands-on experience and one of the things this like blows my mind right but um of all these different cameras that we work with uh, there are certain brands that will send you like the full CAD file, like and Canon's one of those. Uh, I think I can say this. Uh, they'll send it to you. Obviously, you're signing away your life. You can't do anything with it, uh, but like you have the ins and outs to to really be able to design specifically to the camera. Whereas some other brands, they're just like, yeah, if you want that, you can uh, make it yourself, which like stinks because so much of your time is spent like rebuilding this camera body to then try and accurately fit a cage to and it just takes way more rounds of troubleshooting and uh because uh, i don't know if you noticed like a camera like the black magic cameras they're like the most organic shape ever and mm-hmm. so like getting it all dialed in like it's uh it's a challenge uh, but especially when you gotta hook a
0: solid state to it to do the your raw recording yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I love black magic and we've shot a lot on black magic, especially for the marketing firm, a lot of commercial content, but you were exactly right. It's almost like they're making these cameras uh, awkwardly shaped in order for you have to buy a cage, right? Mm-hmm. So you saw a yeah. good market there and every time you held a new camera, it was ergonomically, it was just different. And it felt kind of strange, especially, you know, getting away from that doc style body or that mirrorless or DSLR style body. And you were able to adapt. You you knew there was a market there because, you know, you see that price of a body of a camera, right? It's X amount of dollars for just the camera. Now you know that you have to add at least five hundred to six hundred dollars onto that, just because you're going to have to have a cage.
2: Yeah, I uh, I'm actually in a, in a more extreme world, working on a review of the Komodo uh, that's going to be called the. The six thousand dollar camera that cost me twelve thousand,
0: <laughs> and still does bad in low light. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's that's right. Thank
1: you. <laughs> so, uh, so Brandon, obviously you, you know, you're you're into rhinos gear and you're into condor blues gear. But like, what what other gear have you used that you really like? You know, it could be anything. It could be lenses, it could be rigs, whatever. What what have you liked using in the past?
0: Yeah,
2: you know, it's funny. Because one of the most core pieces of gear that I always go back to that I still think um, needs some fundamental rework is a tripod. Funny mm,
0: you're totally right.
2: So true. Like I love, I love a good stick shot. Like of all the stuff I've shot over the years, I like, and, and like I said, I've, I've done all this DIY equipment. I've used the real things, um, you know, at every level. And I'm just like, you know, that, that shot where it's just on sticks and it's like, Really focused on what the viewer should be looking at is just beautiful. Uh, but then when you actually work with most tripods, it's like kind of a nightmare. There's a ton of knobs, how mm-hmm. uh, they up all the time.
1: I like, always pinch the hell out of my fingers, gonna, exactly. literally, literally every time. You took it right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> my fingers weren't in your mouth.
0: <laughs> For real, I have like bruises and blood mm-hmm. blisters on your your finger always from a tripod. So get on it, Brandon. We <laughs> yeah. we want a good yeah. carbon uh, light sturdy tripod with a fluid head now
2: well uh that may be foreshadowing uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what time mm-hmm. will tell mm-hmm. but i uh, definitely have aspirations to to fix some of those problems I love it. Uh, and, and like honestly with anything in design and i'll get back to that question here in just a second like that's what i really respect about both rhino and Condor blue so for instance with rhino their mission is to serve and inspire filmmakers and so there's been a lot of products that we could have made over the years that we haven't made just because we feel like, oh, man, that like that product's already made really well. Uh, and so, like, unless we can add sort of, sort of our, like, rhino essence to it, um, there's, there's no point in just adding another uh, widget to the market, right? We want to make things that really look at where the market's at and take that thing to the next level. And so I'm really excited about some of the projects we're working on there. And in the same way, is doing that same thing. So, like, one of the things that gets challenging with any uh, of these different companies is this idea. It's, it's kind of like the, the Apple-Microsoft argument all over again here in, you know, the 2020s. And that's, do you go closed system like Apple did or do you go open like Microsoft and what we found is sort of this hybrid. So instead of doing super proprietary things like their own versions of rosettes or their own ways to mounting, mount certain things, we're just like, hey, you know what? Like everyone's got like airy mounting pens and rosettes and different things that we want to be able to, to use so that whether they're buying these future products from us or not, they can still use what they have. Uh, no matter which brand it's from, as long as it's compatible with these sort of industry standards. And so that's an important thing. And that kind of ties back into my favorite products are ones that are nice. Like they, they work well, (laughs) like the tentacle sinks. Like, Oh yeah, those are rad. It's a product that I I hated spending the money on, uh, just because it it didn't feel like a super sexy product until I bought it and uh, more or less took its clothes off. You know what I'm saying? I don't
0: know
2: how I, like, why was they ever trying to sync up various uh, video and audio files any other way yeah. than through thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's paid its weight and, and then some for a lot of the shoots I've been doing the past you know, year plus I've used those exclusively. So love that. Uh a fairly simple problem to solve in terms of like the objective and then it's like really magnificently executed from the app to the hardware uh to everything in between so that's what i've loved um let's see a road's doing a ton of amazing things like i love that they're basically making all these super high quality mics but then smaller and smaller footprints um because you know that's important as uh, i build out these rigs like size and weight becomes a huge consideration yeah right and you know things that can fit fit on it and not take up a ton of room and still allow me to you know use other things like you know your monitors uh wireless transmitters, and so forth which are big and bulky it's good to have these other things as well so
0: I think what's amazing about you in the design field is you are a filmmaker and I love that you are, you're using what you have and then you're finding ways to fix it, right? It's one thing to create something because it's a new product. It's another thing to use the new product and then create something based around those issues. And I have an example of that. So uh, for the listener, Brandon was doing BTS and was also helping out uh, as crew uh, on Jumpseat and we were shooting the car scene on the process trailer and Brandon you were asking me questions about the camera we were using because uh you are in pre-production design of a cage for that camera. Can I say that?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'll, keep it we'll in it around. It's it's maybe not the top of the priority just because there's there's always a never-ending list and it, it kind of continually shifts. And this is nothing about just organizationalize of how the companies are run. Um, but just like the market is shifting, right? Sure. Like, and holy cow, 20 plus new cameras last year. Right. So like, we're, we basically listen to the users. Whoever whoever's the sweetest will uh, will kind of rise that uh, priority level of the cage. So
0: yeah, but to my point though, is you were asking me questions because you were seeing issues we were having while on set. Absolutely. And you were saying, well, maybe we could toughen out the handle there. What about if we put something there? And then that way we, I was like, yeah, we'll put something on the top so then you can have the follow focus from the bottom. And then you don't have to use 24 inch rails. Uh, you know, we could do gold plate or V mount. There was just questions being asked while we were on set. And I thought that was really cool because I do think the designer needs to be in the footprint of the DP or a camera op in order to make the best products possible. And I feel like you were doing that.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, market research is a huge part of any of it, Yeah, uh, and that's that's sort of the value prop that I bring to any of these companies in the film space. It's like, hey, I've been on sets, I've filmed with a lot of different people, a lot of different types of projects, and so I know the mind of the filmmaker, and, and maybe even then some in some cases, because sometimes uh, we, we kind of settle like, like, oh, you know, I couldn't find anything for this, so it just is what it is. And my mind's always like, no, no, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And uh, so the wheels just start turning on, okay, how could we turn this into a product that that makes sense? Um, and so t- definitely I, I love being able to add that onset experience to the actual creative of how these products are made, because that's one of the big challenges I'd say in the film industry is there's, there's no doubt that there's money here, right? right. Like, and especially with influencer marketing like the way that youtube is i and i don't understand where all this money is coming from in, in sort of that entry level into film but i feel like some youtubers can like shake a video and say hey get this like it's gotten like people buy yeah. it uh you know they they get into these things and you see these waves of like products just getting on the map and so uh, i just like, I want to be very careful with that balance because I understand how hard it is to earn a dollar. And I want to make sure that if spending it with one of these companies that I'm working for, that it's, it's well worth it. So,
1: yeah, sure. you're talking about being on set and and having the design supporting what you're doing on set. So last summer, uh, Drew and I helped you out with we mentioned it briefly, uh, the short film Grounded that you wrote and directed in, in association uh, with with Rhino. But was that your first time directing? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I'm curious, um, kind of what your experience was like as director and, and especially how your design sense, you know, solved any problems you had on set. I can think of one that I'm I'm curious if you'll mention.
2: This is, this is maybe kind of bad. Uh, cause sometimes I think about like shots that I maybe let, uh, kind of take over. <laughs> like oh, they, totally, Yeah. <laughs> okay i've got to have the shot so i'm going to develop the story around the shot because i just mm-hmm. think it would be so, fluid, so um it's instructive my life yeah <laughs> what we're trying to do. and so like i think you had mentioned that on jump seat like how you had uh, written a script around a particular cast uh, member mm-hmm. and you know that that can work really really well um and so one of the shots, um, and apparently I love giving myself way too much about like a hard time because those shots that I come up with are always like, ugh, they're tough setups so often. It's, it's definitely not, I want to create things that I haven't really seen yeah. that much.
1: Yeah. Helps your, helps your work stand out for sure.
2: Yeah. And so we had this shot where I wanted to show more of what this, um, our main protagonist was looking at and he was you know, eating his breakfast, but at this kitchen table and it's covered in these bills. And I wanted to sort of get into his mind with that and into his setting. And so we rigged a 42-inch rhino slider underslung, but going over him. So, like, typically you'd have stands or other things in the way. And so we built this cantilever with some two-by-fours and a, a ladder and a ton of sandbags and
0: (laughs) shot. Number one of the day, by the (laughs)
2: way, hung, hung the slider out right over the top of him. So we were able to push over his shoulder with a great OTS and then tilt down at what he's looking at. And it actually worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I, everything for that shot, I already had, like I already had the ladder. I already had the rope and the sandbags and the two by four. So like, it's a great example of sort of shopping what you have to be able to do new things. And I hadn't really thought about that fully until, um, you know, right before production. It's like, oh, this, this will be the shot. This is going to be the money shot for this spot. And I'd love to build that out. And so, uh, and then as we had it already built up, we ended up using it a handful of other shots, um, just to, to speed up the workflow, mm-hmm. which is great.
1: Yeah. You know that that was the exact thing I was thinking about. So <laughs> nice work. Yeah, it was a good way to start the day. It was fun. We yeah, were like, it was. yeah, it was. That was that was a fun shot. It was cool.
0: Yeah. Again, going back to what you were saying, it you overthought the shot, but it was the first shot of the day. It's one of the first shots where you see the character in the movie, and it really helps get into his headspace. It kind of makes him feel a little bit smaller than he is, and then we do the opposite of that at the end, where we kind of do a a pull out where the bills are, you know, kind of the center of the frame, and then it goes to him, and then he, you know, builds back the photo and. Uh, we will link Grounded in the description so you guys can check it out. So we worked Thanks. on, yeah, absolutely. And we worked on Grounded and then you came on and worked on Jump Seat and obviously helped us with some amazing behind the scenes footage. Yeah, I just saw
1: some of that today. It looks, it looks incredible. Dude. Yeah. Nice work. <laughs> dude,
0: thank you so much for, for shooting the BTS stuff and helping with grip and just kind of being all hands, you know, with a smaller crew, but with such big goals and such a big process trailer and you were there for night one and you were there for night four and it was just awesome to have you on set. We are currently doing a uh, series for the podcast about jump seat. So I was just curious to get your take on your experience.
2: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, there, it was interesting just seeing how everything was working for that. Um, because, uh, one of the parts about just being able to pull off a certain look with like fairly minimal lighting and minimal crew, but to have, to have a lot of, uh, character. Well, Drew, you're using those lectures effectively to, to get these unique looks, um, just with how it was bouncing off of walls or off of, uh, the characters. And so I really like seeing that, uh, shooting on a process trailer is all, always a bit of a process. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's cool. Like it's that, you just, you feel like you're making a movie anytime you're on. Yeah. I like that. And you see other people looking at you because people just love watching things be made. Like, um, you know, that's why there's always crowds around when movies are being filmed. People just love screens because it's pretty magical. So I love that part, you know, just being around, uh, you know, something creative happening and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you come together in edit.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks so much. That was, it was, like I said, it was awesome to have you on.
1: Yeah. It was really great. And yeah, it, it, it is super fun to, we love filmmaking, but it is also pretty cool when you, when you do a flex, like, like a process <laughs> trailer and other people are seeing you and like, we forget we, we're around filmmaking so much. We kind of forget. It's not like everybody can do this stuff, you know? Yeah. And so it, it, it is pretty cool having people looking and being like, oh, like they're doing something that like, I think is cool and can't do. <laughs> You know, for sure. So we're going to we're going to wrap up. But one thing we always like to leave our listeners with is a bit of advice. So w- what advice would you have for somebody that's trying to get into into your field?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think it goes back to just that, that factor of time. Like because time is limited, I find like a lot of uh, people, they waste so much time. Like like they they think of a high school job as a high school job. They think of a college job as a college job. And I never had that perspective because I was like, you know, I I could be making minimum wage or I could be making double or triple that if I just like put my mind to it doing this other thing. And so I had always tried to find those opportunities and, and I, I was privileged enough to be able to, to be in circles where I could, could find those perhaps a little bit more easily than some. But it definitely still required the work. It required the initiative. And so I just say, hey, if you want this thing, like put yourself in the right spots. Like, I guarantee you, it, it, like, I, I'm very happy that everyone has, you know, all these different jobs that the world can run. But like, you, you're not going to get closer to your filmmaking career by being uh, a barista. Like you're just not Yep. Uh, True. maybe you have a, so that's the, you know, your, your own thing there, but like, you're not going to get close you know, doing a, a lot of different roles. So like be very intentional with what you're doing with your time and, and then be applying that, like thinking, how can I leverage this and pivot to be in the right spot, right time. Um, and then be bold enough to have those conversations, even when it's uncomfortable, which it almost always will be. So that'd be my main thing is, be intentional and uh be be as in control of like no one's going to look out for you as much as yourself so like if, so if you're not off you're just going to get run over especially in this space like no one's like oh i'd love for you to be the director yeah uh, i want to like just test you out as a director no it's not going to happen yeah you gotta you're got to
1: on your, on your own
2: yeah so if you want those big things like, yes, I feel that anyone can do anything they put their mind to, as cliche as that may sound, but it does require you putting forth that effort. So if you're willing to do it, uh, which it it will be a massive sacrifice, is you have to be okay with that opportunity cost. But as long as you're willing to do that, uh, you can you can go great places. Yeah, that's great advice.
0: I think that's great advice, man. And I, it's always a pleasure chatting with you and working with you. And I feel like we have a lot of work to do in the future, but Brandon, it's been really awesome having you on, man. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do in both the filmmaking world and from a design aspect. Yeah, same. And that stuff's always really fun. So yeah. um, however we can help you let us know and vice versa.
2: Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's was a blast. Yeah. Well, awesome, thanks for coming
0: Brandon. on, dude. Thanks for uh, sending out the mailer about your own podcast this coming week. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. All right, later, man. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Thanks, man. Yep.
1: That was great having him on. Uh, I think I really, really liked how he talked a lot about, you know, not just being a filmmaker and not just being a designer, but kind of how those two things work together. Yeah,
0: I think you need. To be a filmmaker to be a good designer in this industry yeah you know, he talked about knowing testing. what you need yeah. and what you yeah. don't want what from works stuff. and what yeah. doesn't and totally. like he said there's so many different cameras on the market especially last year that were dropped and that'll just continually keep happening Yep. he's solving the issues for new products old products and he has them in his hands and then he can solve the, the problem it's really cool
1: yeah totally and just a nice guy in general really like brandon we've spent a bunch of time with him lately but that's going to do it for us today yep that's it so sorry that's um, it that's all we got yeah that's all we got for you we're, <laughs> we're actually a We're lot on, of great information. Yeah, it actually it's a was standard
0: episode. Yeah, I was very, I
1: was actually very happy with what we heard <laughs> out of him. So, but uh, you know, give us a, a rating or a review on your podcast listening platform of choice. Yeah, uh, we love hearing from you. Email us if you want to talk to us about anything. We're super open. We like to chat with people. Jump seat. Jump seat. We're yeah. going to do a Jump Seat series. Yeah, we finally, I mean, you, you probably noticed that uh, we've been absent for, you know, maybe a few weeks. That's because we finally actually shot Jump Seat after a year and a half of trying to get it off Ooh. the ground. And so we're going to start doing a series on on our experiences and what we've learned from from doing Jump Seat, pre-production, production, post-production, yeah. and probably just kind of like a general general wrap-up.
0: Don't hold me to any of this, but this is kind of the idea. I want to do like a table talk with the other producers. Yeah. I think next week we'll go into pre-production, then we'll do production episodes. Yeah. So we might not have a guest on for a couple episodes, yeah. but I think that-
1: but we. we- Mountains of information, mountains of things that lots we learn. And so, lots of stuff we want to tell all of you about um, can hopefully, you know, help you and, and, and give some good advice about it. So we'll see you next time for that. Yes. But in the meantime, you know, have a great rest of your week. All right, bye. Bye.
0: bye.